Pound the Rock is brought to you by the Score Bet. Bet on all your favorite sports by accessing a wide range of pregame and in-play betting across the NFL, NCAA football, NBA, NCAA basketball, MLB, NHL, and more. Download now on iOS and Android, available in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, and New Jersey. Must be 21 or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, contact 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Visit thescore.bet for more details. Hi there, and welcome to Pound the Rock, the Score's NBA podcast. I am Joe Wolfond, and I'm joined on this Saturday afternoon by my co-host Joseph Cacharo Cash. We had uh, an unforeseen scheduling conflict that prevented us from recording yesterday, but had to get in. The I think it worked episode out. of the week. <laughs> and, I, I think um, it worked out that we we saved this for a day. I mean, yeah, it kind of did. We've uh, we've got some news. I mean, look, the the league is still in the grips of a massive COVID outbreak that is just getting worse and worse all the time and seemingly spiraling out of control. And a team that has been hit as hard, if not harder than any in the league by this outbreak, the Brooklyn Nets with eight players in health and safety protocols. I mean, and that's on top of having other players out with injuries, Joe Harris. Does Kevin Durant now make it nine players? I think Durant, Durant's the eighth. Okay. So their response to this massive outbreak and the unavailability of half their roster was to finally cave and allow a still unvaccinated Kyrie Irving to return to the team as a part-time player, which is what they said at the beginning of the season that they weren't going to allow him to do. That ostensibly would allow him to practice with the team, to travel with them and play games on the road, I guess, excluding games in San Francisco and Toronto. I don't know if I'm forgetting any other cities that have ordinances. No, uh, I think that's uh, it. Now, Toronto, I believe it will be as of January 15th, right? Or something like that? They're... Right, right. Yeah. So what what was it? Like 18 hours after they announced that Kyrie was returning? Approximately, yes. He then became the ninth Brooklyn Net in Correct. health and safety protocols. And I believe... What that means for an unvaccinated player is that he has to return five consecutive days worth of negative tests. Yeah. For vaccinated players, it's two right. days, I believe, or just two tests. For unvaxxed, it's five. Um, and so I, I, I do he, want to point out as well, sorry, that Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News did confirm on Twitter as well that like he got clarity from the Nets. Just to confirm it wasn't like this is some sort of like the health and safety protocol thing with Kyrie was maybe just part of the process for an unvaxxed player to be welcomed back into the fold. Right. But no, he he confirmed that he either has returned a positive or inconclusive test, which then means he needs to at least uh, have five consecutive days of negative tests. Right. So even in a, in a best case scenario in which this is a false positive, that's still at least five days where he has to return negative tests before he can rejoin the team which would take us to the 23rd when the Nets are departing for a three-game West Coast road trip. So unclear if he would be able to travel with them on the first day of that trip. And then after that three-game trip, they're playing seven of their next nine games at home. Correct. 
so regardless, like, <laughs> it seems like we still might not be seeing Kyrie Irving play with the Nets for quite some time, or at least yeah. not very often. And also, I don't think like, he would have played on the upcoming road trip anyway, because I think they did mention, right, they want to ramp him up. But he, to your point, he at least could have traveled with them as part of his like ramp up to get up to game speed. Yeah, and I don't, I, I mean, who knows what kind of conditioning work he's been doing for the last few months, right? Like, I, I would assume that he has been doing some measure of like physical preparation, but maybe not. Like, I, I, I don't I know. I would say the safest bet with Kyrie is to assume nothing. <laughs> uh, impossible to say, but like really, I, I, he obviously needs some kind of ramp up time and practice time. So despite this announcement, I, I, I really don't know when we're actually going to see him on the court again. And all of this is sort of burying the lead, right? Which is just that in the midst of a massive COVID outbreak on their team and in the league at large, the Nets made this decision to allow him to come back and play and to, to have their team traveling with a, an unvaccinated player, which I think we can both agree seems like a bad idea. And it's, I mean, we could pile on the Nets here and just talk about what bad messaging this is, how it's putting the rest of their players and staff at risk. In the interest of fairness, like there are plenty of other teams who have been allowing unvaccinated players to play throughout this season. And the Nets, like the, the reason that Kyrie hasn't been playing was because of this New York City ordinance, you know, not because the Nets had taken this firm stand against having unvaccinated players on their roster. And we know, you know, like Michael Porter Jr., for instance, I don't yeah. think. Is vaccinated. Like I don't know if we ever found out if Bradley Beal did like got the vax or not, but there there are clearly other teams who have been carrying unvaccinated players throughout the season. So it's more just like the Nets are now joining the rest of those teams in that misbegotten endeavor more so than they are uh, like standing alone as this irresponsible organization. But obviously, the you know the timing of it is. Uh, just pretty questionable all around. And then obviously both, both him and Durant essentially registered positive tests and entered health and safety uh, within hours of them making this announcement. So I'll hand the floor to you and let you say your piece about this whole situation. But uh, what do you think? I mean, for one, like it's obviously ridiculous, right? That like, I think you could look at this situation and say Kyrie like held out and won in a way because mm-hmm. he waited it out. And in the end, he he got what he wanted in that he can play without having to get vaxxed. And, you know, for the Nets, it's just a terrible look that they, I think, made the right decision at the beginning uh, and took the correct stance where it's like, if if you're going to make this personal decision, okay, fine. But if that's going to cause you to only be a part-time player, we don't want you around. Like you're either fully with us or you're not. And that's fine. You'll get paid for the half that we're telling you to sit out. You won't for the other. And then in the end, they're the ones that caved before Kyrie because they were so battered and undermanned. Not completely because there's other injuries too, but mostly because of the pandemic that has been exacerbated by unvaccinated people so there's irony and uh, just patheticness in that um but i will point out because you pointed it out and a lot of other people have too that 
you know, there's also like risks involved for staffers, for older people, for anyone that's around him. You know, I'd also say like Kyrie might be the person most at risk. You're like he might be putting himself most at risk because mm-hmm. I would assume, and I can't remember who had had it, but the report a little while ago was that the league was already up to like 60% boosted. So like on top of the 97% fully vaxxed or two dose um, people around the league, it was also 60% boosted. So for the most part, people in and around the NBA are protected, even against the various variants. Now, not protected from getting it, obviously, as we've seen, but should be fairly protected from serious illness, hospitalization, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So like the most at risk here in this situation is Kyrie because now Omicron's running rampant in the NBA. Delta probably still is like, there are all these variants out there. He's going to be the unvaxxed one, like not even single dose person that's going to be in the middle of all this. So I'm not even saying, obviously I'm not saying we should feel bad for him. He made this ridiculous decision on his own. He's the one that has sent clownish things. Like, you know, he, that that's his responsibility, his choice. But I do think that's almost kind of getting lost here. It's like everyone's talking about, well, like now he's going to be a danger to everyone else. It's like, yo, if anything, he's kind of being a danger to himself more than anyone else. Because if, you know, obviously he's a young guy, he's in shape. I'm, we would, I think, expect and obviously hope even him contracting COVID now, he'll be completely fine. But again, if someone's at risk here, I would say it's probably the guy who doesn't even have a single dose while all these variants are running rampant through the league. And he has now apparently tested positive or at the very best case scenario, it's inconclusive. But okay. I mean, the question there is like, is he at any more risk now than he was before just sort of living his life out there in the world? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it does seem like the positivity rate in the NBA might be... Mm -hmm. Now that's obviously because the testing is also a lot higher than in the. I think that's. Of, I think yeah. that's probably. I mean that maybe that's not the whole story, but I do think that's a big part of. Yeah, we also don't know how out there Kyrie was in you know off the court right now. Like, who, well, who knows? I mean, if you had to guess, <laughs> um, I will say too, there is also the chance uh, with Eric Adams winning the mayoral election in New York, and I think he is set to become mayor. Uh, within the next couple of weeks, mm. there were reports that he was considering as one of his first ordinances as mayor of New York City to lift the ban that is currently stopping Kyrie from playing in home games. And I do wonder if even that piece of intel influenced the Nets' decision on top of the fact that they need bodies right now. Maybe that they can see, um, uh, right. I guess from their case, the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel where it's like okay we clear him now he can maybe get a couple road games in but also he will be able to be a full-time player soon enough because other than that yeah like you mentioned how how home heavy their schedule still is coming up he can't even join the team now until the 23rd they don't have after this upcoming road trip which he cannot take part in they do not have back-to-back road games again until january 15th 17th or 17th 19th when they go on a four-game road trip so like if nothing changes rule-wise in new york city you're looking at Kyrie coming in after having not played for so long. We don't know what kind of shape he's in and being able to literally play like once every five or six days until yeah. late January. I didn't realize that Eric Adams had said that or hinted I, at, at I, that so rollback, but I, I, I do want to clarify. I'm not sure how much he has said publicly. Uh-huh. I just know there have been reports. I've read things uh, uh, in American media where people have speculated that again. So I don't know if it's like people inside his camp political sources but like political reporters and stuff in the states in new york 
have speculated that they believe that is possible, that Eric Adams might do that. I'm not sure whether he's actually publicly said that or not. Right. Well, I mean, if that, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that did factor into the Nets decision. That would make all the sense in the world, honestly. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't need to make my position on that matter any clearer. Like, I think that would be a bad idea. But again, it's like, that's what every other NBA city, aside from Toronto come January 15th, has been doing. So it's, uh, I guess it's what it is. And I mean, more broadly speaking, like, I just wonder where all of this is going because I don't know what the actual number is right now, but I feel like it's got to be over 50 players, coaching staff, general managers. Like, th- there are a ton of NBA personnel members in health and safety protocols right now. And once the spread just sort of starts to take off, it's very difficult, as we've seen, to sort of slow it down. And I think Woj had reported that the NBA Board of Governors had met on a call toward the end of the week, and they're discussing a plan with the NBA Players Association that would require teams to basically sign additional replacement players when they have a certain number of players out on the COVID IL. So like, I, I know we talk a lot about the, like the power dynamics in the league and how, you know, the, the, the owners in general just wield more power, more financial clout, like, and a little bit more control over how the league operates. But I do think this is kind of a joint endeavor here and it's worth noting that like the reason there isn't a vaccine mandate is because the players association was not going to allow that to happen so those two sides have i guess essentially agreed they don't want to lose any games they would rather us have to watch you know lance stevenson than hit pause on the season or you know knock a couple of games off the schedule and it's you know, I guess it's fair to say, like, given that the league is 97% vaxxed and that we're still seeing all these breakthrough infections, would pressing pause even do anything at the end of the day? You know, like, uh, I don't know, like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do that just until everything cools down a little bit. But, you know, the, the virus is what is truly in control right now. And it seems like the NBA and the NBPA are just sort of doing the best they can to make it through this. Uh, I do want to point out, uh, so Eric Adams said in November, in the run-up to the election, that he would not change the rule. So people continue to speculate that, you know, there are rumors, whispers, reports that he indeed will, in January, change the rule. And and that would end up allowing Kyrie and other employees in New York City to go to work unvaxxed. But Again, where like those sources are coming from, obviously, we are not <laughs> political reporters, don't know. But if you go by what he has said in November, as recently as November, he said he would not change the rule. But um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, do you, you want to talk about what this means for the Nets on the court? I mean, yeah, it's just like, like as with pretty much every team in the league right now, it's hard to suss out anything that's happening on the court because yeah. all of these teams are totally decimated and like the nets are in first in the eastern conference by three games yeah like they have a three game lead for the number one seed which is remarkable considering how much time has been missed by 
pretty much everybody on the roster outside of Kevin Durant. KD is pretty been, special, man. Oh my God. He is. It's insane. Special. Like he's been so good. And yeah, now, I mean, I think he's going into health and safety protocols for the third time. Yeah. We've seen, I mean, Westbrook was in health and safety for like a minute. And then, uh, because I think if, if you are vaccinated and we are seeing some false positives, clearly, like if you register, I think you only need two days. Yes. You met, you said yeah. that, right? Two it's days two of- versus five of negative tests. You have to return, uh, between whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated Two yeah. and five. So he, we could see him back in relatively yeah. short order, but barring that, I, I guess it's good at least that they have this cushion. Sorry. It's not good. <laughs> for the Nets, I suppose they can feel comfortable in knowing they have like this three game cushion and that the team's chasing them like Chicago, Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, Milwaukee, like, I don't think they have like Drew Holiday is the only member of their starting lineup. I'm pretty yeah. sure that it's still playing right now. Yeah. They, they just, yeah, they I just mean, they're, lost they're, to uh, the Pelicans. The Pelicans last night. Yeah. Um, Which so- is like, I, I honestly think it's impressive that they went to overtime with a fully yeah. healthy Pelicans team considering, well, not fully healthy, but outside of Zion fully healthy Pelicans team uh, with Drew being their only healthy starter right now. But given the uh, outbreak around the league and the number of players in health and safety protocols around the league, I can safely say that at least for the next like one to two weeks and maybe for a little longer, the results of games in this next little bit mean almost nothing because of the lineups that are taking the court on a given night. And I'll say too, like, before, let clarify, it is not good that Kevin Durant is in health and safety protocols, obviously hoping it's a false positive. If it is positive, hope there is not a single symptom that he has to deal with. Outside of that, I will say it might not be the worst thing in the world that Kevin Durant might get a couple days off here to rest his body. Uh, again, hoping it's because of a false positive. Uh, because if you look at the load that he has been carrying with everyone out and the level he's playing at, but the minutes he's playing... You know, only a couple of years off blowing his Achilles. It is concerning. Uh, I think Kevin Pelton had noted in an ESPN piece that KD has played 39 plus minutes six times already this season. Sorry, he, he played 39 plus minutes six times by Thanksgiving of this American Thanksgiving of this season. He's played that a few more now. He did that six times all of last season. So like the load on him is concerning. And, you know, if, if he gets a couple days off here and isn't actually COVID positive, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And if there's one area where Kyrie coming back, even if it is as a part-time player for half the games, in addition to obviously the things he can do on the court, uh, give the Nets some more uh, north-south pop with his like ball handling and getting to the rim, something they don't do enough of. Giving them another shot creator, which I know doesn't seem like the kind of thing they need if KD and Harden are on the court, but it's actually been pretty evident that they do need a little bit. And like adding Kyrie Irving's creation, shooting, uh, ability to get to the rim to a team already with Kevin Durant and James Harden on the court, to me, is the difference between an incredible team and an inevitable team, you know? whether that's getting through the East or winning the title, but one of those two things, like I think that is the difference, but also a big difference is just getting the load down for KD. If, if Kyrie coming back and playing half the games means in half the games, KD can play even two or three less minutes, have less of an offensive burden. All of those things. I think that is a positive while 
none of us agree with the fact that he should be playing or should be allowed to play unvaccinated. If you're looking at it strictly from a basketball perspective, from the Nets perspective, I think those things are positive. There's also other questions to be asked, though. Like if the if the rules don't change between now and the spring, the Nets are very clearly going to have home court advantage at the very least in the first round, most likely through two rounds, probably through all three rounds, given the fact they've built this cushion without Kyrie and for the most part, Harden. So do they want that as the question? Right, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like if the rule doesn't change in New York by the spring, Kyrie's going to be a part-time player in the playoffs in a series in series where the Nets will most likely have home court advantage until at, until probably the finals where I guess one of the Warriors or maybe the Jazz or Suns will have it. Like game seven of the East Finals, Kyrie might not be able to play if it's in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean they they got to start tanking their way out of home court advantage, I guess. What's up, Pound the Rock listeners? Just a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also check out the Score's Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. And in case you haven't already, download the Score app, available on iPhone and Android. That's where you can find all of our featured content, as well as live scores, updates, and breaking news. And don't forget to check out The Score's YouTube page for an informative yet lighthearted dive into the sports world's trending topics. Now back to the show. On a positive note, like I, I do think it's worth dwelling a little bit longer on just what KD has done and how impressive it's been. I mean, he's averaging 37 minutes. He's played all but two games. And I'm not saying we take it for granted. I feel like Durant gets his due and he he is pretty well appreciated by the general NBA watching public. But I just think even I like lose sight sometimes of the fact that, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30 coming off of an injury that has historically like decimated careers. Like people don't come back from that injury without missing a beat. And in his case, like, I mean, he's been every bit as good, arguably even better than he was before he got injured. The mid-range shooting is like nothing I've ever seen. It's insane. And, you know, defensively, which is where I honestly thought we were going to see the biggest drop-off from him, because obviously we knew the shooting was going to have staying power. And as a guy who's, you know, almost seven feet tall and can shoot like that and handle the ball, it's like even if that injury had sapped some of his athleticism, you kind of felt like, okay, so basically he'll just be Dirk, you know, but he hasn't seen any drop off at the defensive end either. Like he's still flying around. He's making backline rotations. You know, he's serving as the net's best answer to rim protection basically. And also handling perimeter assignments when they need him to do that. Uh, I think he's just been terrific. And the nets have a top five defense right now, which is, kind of an underplayed storyline and uh, maybe an underappreciated element of their success so far is that they're defending their asses off. And I know some of that comes down to like opponent shooting luck. Opponents are shooting 31% from three against them, which I think is the lowest for any team in the league. So that's part of what's driving it. But I, I also think like they've been pretty solid at that end of the floor. Obviously they switch a ton and that can be a successful formula if you're able to sort of flatten other teams out and like you have guys who can just sort of stay in front when it comes down to individual defensive assignments. I mean, Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, James Johnson, when those guys were healthy, they're both in health and safety right now, but I think they were doing a pretty terrific job of that. Durant, I mean, that's uh, 
that's been a big thing keeping them afloat because their offense actually hasn't been especially good. Uh, and obviously KD is doing almost all of the heavy lifting on that front, but he has been able to do that somehow while still bringing it at the defensive end of the floor over 37 minutes, night after night after night. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and it's the reason why the Nets have a three-game cushion in the East despite all these injuries and despite the East being better and deeper than it's been in a quarter century. So can't say enough about the indescribable excellence of Kevin Durant at this stage in his career after the injuries he's been through. And also, you know, if you know, if we want to get into silver linings here, which we don't have to do, but you know, the the oh, silver you know, li- happy weekend, happy weekend. The silver lining for the Nets, I guess, is that with all of those players out, they've actually gotten to see what they have in some of their young players and, you know, the the players that they drafted late in the 2021 draft have shown some things, man. Like Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas, David Duke, David Duke. Jr., yeah, who made, like who made my uh 21-22 all nobody team. Go check that piece out. Yeah, the unfortunately named David yes. Duke, but uh all those guys are like kind of showing out, you know, mm-hmm. at least to the extent that you would expect from first-year players. Like they have been solid in their roles, like defending well, hitting shots in the case of Edwards. I thought Sharp in that game against the Raptors was really strong. He had one shift where he was just like pummeling them on the boards uh, and looked pretty solid moving his feet as well on defense, you know, switching out on the perimeter. He had a huge chase down block. Like his tools are pretty interesting, I think. And if he can just sort of add a little bit of refinement and a little more offensive pop, then I think they absolutely have a player there. So I guess it's always the the whole next man up mentality and the Nets have certainly needed, you know, the next and next and next and next and next <laughs> men up. Uh, and those guys have all kind of stepped up and, and kept them in the win column for the most part. And obviously part of that is that they are also playing against, you know, diminished or decimated teams themselves. And they still do have Kevin Durant on their side, but it, given all the absences that they've dealt with for them to be sitting here 21 and eight is uh kind of a, an underappreciated story, I think. Yep. And shout out Steve Nash as well. Cause he's clearly doing something right there that, you know, their defense was, I think better than expected last year too. The thing too, with like the domino effect of, of Kyrie being back for which games he's back, whatever. But the domino effect too, is like Patty Mills, for example, mm-hmm. can go back to a reserve role, right? And Patty Mills has given the Nets, great minutes but ideally patty mills comes in as a reserve role and helps you crush bench units right so on top of Kyrie helping kd helping the nets with actual basketball related things that they are clearly lacking in like we mentioned that north south creation getting to the rim extra self-creation playmaking shooting it also does cause this domino effect on the rest of the roster to your point the depth has stepped up and been incredible some of these unproven guys have started to be a little more proven but in an ideal world, whether we're talking big matchups, the postseason for whichever games Kyrie can play, that domino effect of even something like, well, now Patty Mills, is in, who's playing well, is in his more ideal role right, yeah. for the team, for himself. But the one question I do have, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, and I know there's no way to quantify this or to project what will happen, but like, I do wonder how inserting a guy as 
ball dominant, as offensively talented, creative as Kyrie Irving on a part-time basis could disrupt a team's offensive flow. Like we know, again, no way to quantify, but we do know that when a star player, a ball dominant player is reinserted into a lineup later in a season after a team has maybe established their identity and their offensive rhythm, there is some work to be done. There are some growing pains, right? You can even see it with the eyeball test. I wonder uh, how apparent and how long it will take for that to not be the case. Because usually you can say, okay, let the guy get a few games under him. Uh, let the team kind of start gelling again and it'll be fine. But if you can't get a few consecutive games under your belt, if it's like, okay, he's back, they're starting to figure it out. But now, you know, the next road game isn't for six days. They play two home games in between without him again. They got to go back to this kind of identity. I do wonder like how hard it will be for this team to find an identity and find a rhythm with him in the lineup when they've done it without him now for so long and they're going to continue doing it without him on games he can't play. I just think it will be uh, fascinating to see how that unfolds and how Steve Nash and company and KD and company make the pieces fit together because it is going to be a challenge. You know, I get it's a first world problem to have Kyrie in the lineup or not. Like most teams would kill for a guy like as talented as Kyrie to even be there half the time, obviously not under these circumstances, clearly, but uh, it's an interesting dilemma for them to be facing on the court. Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about that, honestly, just because obviously, you know, KD and Kyrie know how to play together. I think those two guys will be staggered. So the second units uh, are now just going to have like Kyrie running the offense rather than somebody like Cam Thomas or, or Patty Mills uh, to, to the Mills point And like him going to the bench and maybe being in a more idealized role, I, I would say he should continue to play alongside KD, I think as much as possible, because those guys I feel play off each other really, really well. And specifically like the Durant Mills pick and roll is just, or like pick and pop, I guess is, is like such an effective weapon and so hard to stop. Uh, I, I would like to see those guys still playing together a whole lot, but yeah, I just, and Kyrie is ball dominant, but he's also a really good off ball player. Great. And I just, I don't know. I wouldn't be too concerned about what fitting him in is going to be like. I, I think they'll just be grateful to have another high level creator in the lineup, but yeah, I don't know. That's, that's about all I have on the nets. And I, yeah. I don't want to even like get into be like, what does this mean for the East? What does this mean for like the next title prospects? Because I just have like, have no idea how this is going to go. Like too it, much can and will change too that's, much. That's the thing. Yeah, like too many variables at play, here. including like, is that New York city ordinance going to get rolled mm -hmm. back? You know, are we going to be seeing Kyrie playing home games? Uh, there, there's a lot that's still up in the air. And like, how long is it going to take him to get back to being Kyrie on the court? I feel like is another huge question that I, and I'm sure a lot of other people have. So, so that's all I've got for now. But uh, if you, I don't know, you have any, any parting shots that you want to take here? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> uh, my, my parting shot is that uh, spending half hour recording this with you on a Saturday is a hell of a lot better than spending half hour on a Saturday afternoon watching Rockets Pistons, which just ended. So that's my, <laughs> that's my parting shot. You haven't enjoyed watching uh, Alper and Schengen? Is you that what? Schengen's great, man. man. He's Schengen's hot. Very high on Schengen. Been high on him since I started doing my draft prep uh, approximately six days before last <laughs> draft. 
No, but look, we no, he's, I think we awesome. try to keep an eye and like tabs on guys that are, you know, projected top tier NBA picks, but given how much time you and I devote to covering and watching and writing about and talking about the NBA, it's hard to really know prospects until we really start diving in on them. And even then it's hard until we start seeing them play. So I was high on Schengen. Yes. Once I started kind of diving in, like literally within the week before the draft and uh, happy to see that he is living up to, and then some, my expectations of him as a rookie. Yeah. And just on a purely aesthetic level, I feel like one of the more fun players in the league to watch. Shout out to Jay Sean Tate also, who's been great. Yeah. This entire season. And it was on one. last year's all-nobody team, by the way. Yeah, he's uh, very much a somebody. Somebody yeah, I, I really love to watch. And, uh, you know, the Rockets, look, they're still bad, even though they've kind of, like, turned a bit of a corner. But also, like, they're the kind of bad that I feel like is enjoyable to watch and in a way where you can sort of see something percolating there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, there's a little detour to cap off this <laughs> this episode. But mostly we wanted to get together to talk about this net situation and just where the league is at right now, ton of question marks, like there were last season. I mean, it's it's just been like a continuation of the same issues, and playing basketball in the middle of a pandemic was bound to bring its fair share of challenges, uncertainty, and you know, here we are still dealing with it. So hoping for the best for all the players who are in health and safety protocols who have COVID, hoping that they're able to make it back soon, that none of them have long lingering symptoms. And in the meantime, again, I said it, I think last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, but just stay safe, stay vigilant, and let's all try and get through this together. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to Cash for a fan shout out. This week's or this episode's fan shout out goes out to Mitchell Stevens, who reached out on Twitter at mini buzzkill. He wrote to us a few weeks ago on Twitter that, again, like our last fan shout out, uh, we were his number one podcast of 2021 on Spotify Wrapped. Thanked us for getting him through this year, which uh, I think you're giving us too much credit, but we'll take it. Said he started listening to Pound the Rock on the last show Will Lou was a part of, back when we were a three-man crew. And he went about listening for three weeks thinking will was simply on vacation before it clicked that he had just tuned into his last one and it was now a two-man operation said he's been listening ever since keep it up and he's liking the two times a week format so mitchell thank you for supporting the show thank you for helping us get through this year as nba media people podcasters you and everyone else that is listening and, and supporting the show usual call out for all of our listeners and fans we want to hear from you and we want to give you some credit and get you a shout out on the show. So hit us up on Twitter at Joseph Cacharo or at Joey W on Instagram at Joe underscore 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 cash email Joe.wolfond at the score.com or Joseph.Cacharo at the score.com. And we will get you a shout out. Let us know how long you've been listening, where you're listening from. We would love to hear from you. That's it for me, Wolf. And that's it for us on this Saturday afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry we got you this episode a day late, but like Cash mentioned off the top, kind of worked out because uh, we had some interesting things to talk about, Uh, and I'm sure we will next week as well. Uh, I think because of the holidays, we're probably only going to be bringing you one episode for the next couple of weeks, so look out for those, but uh, in the meantime, 
Happy holidays. Be well. Talk to you soon. Pound the rock. <laughs>